Good morning, God's wonderful people. Yes, we have another day that is a beautiful day. Another day that is beaming with the wonders of God, beaming with the goodness of God. Today, let's acknowledge the greatness of our God. Let's acknowledge God's beauty. Let's acknowledge his wonderful love towards us by looking at his creation and seeing the things that he has done, seeing the things he has made available for us to enjoy. Acknowledge them, appreciate them, and give God thanks for them. There are so many things in our lives that God has made available to us simply because he loves us. And so let's give him thanks for the things he has given us, for the things he has made available to us. And let's appreciate those things. Be thankful and grateful for the good things you have in your life. Hallelujah. We continue our study today and our look at the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. As we analyze this metaphor, looking at its vehicle and its tenor, we hope to come to a full understanding of what Paul meant when he used this phrase, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, in him listing out the armors of God. So, we look today at the gematria for this word, the word dabar. That's the Hebrew word for word. So in the text where it says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, we are analyzing that last phrase, the word of God. So we're looking at the word word. And the Hebrew word for that is dabar, or it's properly pronounced davar. So, looking at this word, we're now going to analyze its gematria. The gematria for each of the letters of davar is for dalet, it's four. For baith, it's two. And for resh, it's 200. So, let's analyze these numbers and see if it will add any information or truth to what we already know. For Dalet, Dalet is the fourth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Its value is also four. Because as I said before, each Hebrew letter has a numerical value, and it also has an ordinal value, meaning the position it holds in the Hebrew alphabet. So the ordinal value of Dalet is 4, and its numerical value is 4. The number 4 speaks to God's creative work. And God's creative work is the manifestation of God himself, because God is known by the things that are seen. It is through the things that we see in the world that God is known. So the number 4 points to the manifestation of God himself. Four always has reference to all that is created. Right, so number four always has reference to all that is created. It is a number of creation, and therefore, four also symbolizes the number of material completion. That's the spiritual significance of the number four, material completion. Another highlight of the number four is that there are four realms to all our experiences. We experience life in four realms. And the four realms of, of how we experience life is in the physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. Those are the four realms through which we experience life. 
So the number four permeates all of life. There are four cardinal points that we know that is north, south, east, west. There are four seasons, and that is winter, spring, summer, and autumn. There are four elements, earth, wind, fire, and water. Those are the four elements. So creation is permeated with that number four. So it deals primarily with God's creative work. Now, Beit, on the other hand, is the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Therefore, its ordinal value is two. Its numerical value is also two. So this number, it affirms that there is a difference. Because where one is absolute unity and absolute independence, two, on the other hand, affirms that there's a difference. It gives indication that there's another. It is the first number that is divisible and therefore denotes division or difference. The number two may be, the number two may be, though it is different in character, yet one as to testimony and friendship. So two also is implying friendship. It also implies testimony. In other words, if there's only one person who commits the act, then there is no testimony. Because he's the only one who did it, and therefore he's the only one who knows. So two is also implying the existence of testimony. The second that comes in may be for help or for deliverance. So two implies that the second person that comes in may be for help or for deliverance. So two also points to deliverance. It points to redemption. Again, because two is also indicative of the second person of the Trinity. That's two points to the Son. And the Son is the Redeemer. The Son is in, through whom we have redemption. So two points to redemption. In respect of man, it testifies to man's fall because two, in essence, speaks to opposition, difference, and feeling. It also speaks to oppression. So two most often speaks to those conditions. Everywhere in scripture, the oppression of the enemy is always a precursor to God's deliverance. Always. So anywhere in scripture where you see the Bible talks about the rebellion of somebody or the sin of someone, it always points to redemption or God's deliverance or God's redemption. In Genesis, there are 12 divisions and these divisions are divinely placed there. Because again, it's not the division according to the chapters and numbers. Those are placed there by us men just to be able to reference different points of scripture. So they are there for reference purposes, not so much to divide up the content into its logical units. So when you look at Genesis, you'll find 12 logical divisions or divine divisions, which is an introduction followed by 11 Toledoth. Now Toledoth is the Hebrew word for generations of, the generations of. Now, that means that Genesis has in there 11 generations that are given. You can identify these divisions of Genesis by searching Genesis for the phrase, the generation of. That will give you these divisions. And so Genesis naturally has 12 divisions. Now, the second Toledoth begins with the phrase, this is the book of the generations of Adam. 
This is the same statement that opens the New Testament in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, this is the book of the generations of Jesus Christ, the second Adam. So again, that shows that two is very exemplary there. The second testament, the second Adam, all right? Redemption, deliverance. The second Toledoth is the account of the fall in which we see the introduction of discord, enmity, sin, and death. Because that is where we find the record of the fall of man. But right in this Toledoth, right in this second in, in the second division of Genesis is God's declaration of ultimate deliverance in Genesis 3 verse 15. That is where God makes declarations of man's ultimate deliverance and redemption. Right there in that second title. So right at the same point where you have the fall of man is the same place you have God's declaration of, his, of man's redemption. To give you another example of this, the first statement of the Bible is in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the second statement says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So right there in the second statement of Genesis is giving you that statement of chaos, that statement of voidness, that statement of darkness, enmity. It gives indication that there is some oppression that happened, something tragic happened. But right there, as it's making declaration of that, it ends with that statement, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So there again, where oppression is spoken about, it always is a precursor to God's redemption and God's deliverance. So that is declared there in that number two. So the difference of the number two, which indicates rebellion and oppression, is always a precursor to God's deliverance. Very much so. All right, so that's bait. Now let's look at Resh. Resh is the 20th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. 20 signifies expectancy. It deals with the expectancy of things happening with a great magnitude. 20 is also the age of military accountability. It's at that age that young men would have entered the military. Let's give you some examples of the number 20 and how it shows forth expectancy. Jacob waited 20 years to get possession of his wives. In Genesis 31, 38, and 40, that is declared. He had to wait 20 years to get his wives. Also, there's in the Judges, it talks about Israel waiting 20 years for their deliverance from Jabin. So 20 always signifies expectancy. The letter Resh, its numerical value is 200. So its ordinal value is 20. We have looked at that. But its, its numerical value is 200. And 200 deals with things in a state of insufficiency. Meaning that things are not sufficient. So it always signifies dealing with things in a state of insufficiency. Something provided but not sufficient. Now what does, what does this add to our understanding of the bar? Understanding of the bar when you look at all these that we have just been through, we will see here that when you talk about Davar, we should understand that in Davar is that idea 
of redemption. That's the predominant thing we see coming through by virtue of these letters. We see the creation coming through as well. The fact that Dalet speaks to creation, we must understand that Davar would be that very source, that seed of what is created. It's the seed of creation. It is the base from which creation flows. The word is the base from which creation flows. That is what this is telling us, that number four. Number two tells us that Dabar, it is the source of redemption, the word of God. The word is a source of redemption. It's a source from which you are redeemed or delivered. So these are some of the things we derive from these understanding or this gematria of these letters. So while we see these things predominantly running through these numbers, one of the things that stands out is deliverance and redemption, which tells us that the bar is the source of redemption and deliverance. As we look at the resh, we see that expectancy coming out. Expectancy. That the 20 is a number that signifies expectancy. We must therefore understand that the word of God is going to be that source from which we get hope. Hope is what expectancy is all about, you know. So the word is a source of our hope. It's a source of our expectancy. It's a source of what we're looking for, looking to. So when we talk about the word, we're talking about the source of our deliverance, the source of our life, the source of our hope. That's what the word gives us. Life and hope. It gives us everything we need for life and godliness. That's our source, the word. But whilst we know we're talking about the word of God, we must also understand that our word, our own word as finite being, this truth permeates it as well. Because our word creates our reality. Our word creates our experiences. So the very things you speak are the source of your experiences. It's the beginning of your experiences. Again, Resh speaks to beginning. So the things you speak is the beginning of your life. It's the beginning of your experiences. So therefore, just like what the word tells us, life and death is in the power of the tongue. What's the power of the tongue? Words. Words. That's the power of your tongue. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Your life and death is in the words you speak. Your words are the seed of your experiences. Your word are the seed of your life. So even though this is true of the word of God, it is also true because it's reflected in us because we are created in the image of God. Therefore, if God's words are creative, our words are also created because we are created in the image of God. We are the reflection of who he is. And so we have to understand that what is true of God is going to be true of us in a finite sense because we are limited here by a finite world. So whilst we cannot say that we are going to be the very same exact replica of God, we are his image. And therefore what he is, we are the image of that. We are the reflection of that. However, that image has been tainted by sin. And therefore, it means that we are going to have certain limitations when it comes to manifesting that image. But when we are in Christ, that image comes alive. That image of God 
is awakened in Christ, we are seated at the right hand of God, the right hand of the power of God. So therefore, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us. Therefore, we being the image of God comes to life in Christ. So when God is said to be a God who is creative in his speech, we are also creative in our speech. These geometrical numbers for this, these letters that, that spell the word Davar brings this out. It brings out this truth. Now, the gematria for the word itself, when you add up all these numbers for these letters, you get the final gematria of 206. Therefore, my friends, understand that the significance of 200, which is a number that signifies dealing with things in a state of insufficiency, the factors of 206 are 2, 1, 103, and 206. So in other words, this gematria has four factors, again pointing to reality, again pointing to material completion, again pointing to creation. So it goes to show, friends, that everywhere you analyze these gematria, you end up with that concept of four. Because what it's telling us, what it's showing us, is that Davar is the source of all that is material. In other words, everything you experience begins with your word. So the question is, what are you saying? What are you speaking? What are the words you are uttering? What are the words you are uttering? Because the words you utter are the source and beginning of the experiences you have. Watch your words. Because your words become your actions, your words become your lifestyle, your words become your experiences. That which you speak forth creates the realities you will experience. So let's redefine our experiences. Let's redefine the life we live by redefining the words we speak, by speaking words that proceed from the heart of God, by speaking words that proceed from the word of God. We will create the life God has designed for us when we begin to speak the words that God speaks or the words that God sent to us. Let's watch our words so that we live the life that we really expect to live by watching the words we speak. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks this morning. We thank you, God, for your word to us. We thank you for your word that give us life, your word by which we live. So, God, we ask you today to help us to remain in your word, help us to rest on your word, help us to rely on your word, so that, God, everything we say and everything we do will be the outflow of your word that which continually speak. So that, God, everything that we engage in will be the result of your word that you have given. We will live our lives, Father, but we want to live it according to your words. We want to live in your words. We want to live by your words. Because it is your word that is the source of life. Let your hands be upon our lives right now. Let your spirit guide and direct everything we say and do. 
so that, Lord, from our lives, you'll continue to receive glory, honor, and praise. We give you thanks this morning, and we glorify your blessed name. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Have a great day now, my friends. And do remember, God loves you, and I do too.